welcome to the Point of Impact podcast with Rick McDaniel. Thanks for joining us today. Get ready to be inspired and motivated to live a high-impact life. Now, here's Rick. Welcome to another episode of the Point of Impact podcast. I'm Rick McDaniel, and I've got a treat for you today because joining us for today's episode is Rob Ketterling, who is the uh, pastor of River Valley Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, a major uh, mega church that has an incredible reach, uh, over 10,000 people that they minister to and has a real role within, uh, within Minnesota. Uh, but beyond that, he's written a book called Speed of Unity. And what an important book and a timely topic in our divisive times that we find ourselves in. So, Rob, welcome to the Point of Impact podcast today. It is great to be with you. I love this. Well, we we um, we are in such a place in our country with divisiveness, and you are uh, right there, a few miles from Ground Zero, where things really blew up uh, a year ago with the the Joy, George Floyd killing, and then of course the trials about to begin. And so, just kind of walk us through that experience as someone who is a leader in the community and in your community, it just took a turn in an incredible direction. Yeah, I mean, like everybody else in America, we were facing the COVID strain and lockdown. And then we all watched as George Floyd, his life was taken on the streets that day. And it just, it, it hit, it, it shocked us. I think everybody's in shock at first because like, not Minneapolis, not us, not what in the world just happened. And then it just, I remember I'm sitting in my home and, and it was just chaos in our city. And we live in, you know, a second ring suburb, but still it was like the chaos is coming to the neighborhood. And you see people that are like saying, I've got my shotgun. I mean, I sat and watched the news with a shotgun on the Ottoman. I'm like, I literally can't believe this is America. I mean, this is crazy. What is going on? And then we got past the chaos and we looked at the whole hurt and the situation and what was going on that was wrong and it became if it was us versus them with covid it was us versus them mentality with with uh all that was going on in the streets and we're like wait 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 it's not an us them it's all of us we're we're united in this and we've got to fix this problem and people were afraid i i we were afraid to even say anything did you say too much did you say too little was it too blue? Was it too black? Was it too this? And and there was fear, and fear paralyzed everybody. And myself and other pastors said, we've got to just jump to the front, and we've got to get up there and lead this. And we may say the wrong things, but we have got to try to fix this and, and get into the mix. And so that's what we did. And and even this weekend, you know, um, as we are, are looking at it, I mean, everything just changes and changes, and pastors are coming together to pray and and of course the trials coming up so this is a this is a big thing that's affected all of us but at the end of it now that I'm looking back we have come together as a faith community and and something's happening like Bishop Howell and I have become friends and and Reverend Coleman and just names that I wasn't hanging out with before that I'm now hanging out with they're speaking in my church uh, we're pouring into each other and so Good is coming out of bad, and it's not done yet. But man, it it could have ripped us apart, and it still could. But we're fighting hard to hold it together. 
So what do you think about uh, the situation as it relates to the trial? And are you concerned about that at all? Or do you just see that as the sort of next natural step toward healing? You know, I'm very concerned. And I've said this. Uh, I've said I think there's 100 degrees of justice. And what do I mean by that? If you talk to somebody that is uh, pro police and, and, and maybe even to a fault, let's say they're super, super pro cop and they, they can't do anything wrong. That person might say he needs a slap on the wrist. And then if you talk to somebody that's pro uh, other side and says he should get the death penalty. Well, between there, there's probably a hundred slices of what people would perceive as justice. One of them is going to be picked. The courts are going to be forced to pick what is justice. 99 groups will be disappointed that theirs wasn't picked. And depending on how far away you are, there's going to be anger, sadness, and maybe a reaction of violence based on the decision that's made that will be imperfect. Let's face it, justice on this earth is going to be imperfect. And so I've said there's 99 groups that are going to be disappointed. How will they react? And I'm not even saying which one is right to pick. I'm just saying I've observed this. And one of them will be picked. And so, yes, we're concerned. And we are saying we're going we're gonna to fight through this and not allow it to divide us. We, there's something that's got to be greater than justice. It's got to be love. And it doesn't mean that we're not going to excuse away what was done, but we're not going to say the ruling by the courts is going to determine how we live. The love of God is going to determine how we live, and we're going to live higher than justice. Great. That's great. And uh, we'll be praying for you because we know this is going to be uh, a challenging time. And as you said, no matter what the ruling is, not everyone will be satisfied or will be happy. However, if people can function the way that you're talking and choose a higher uh, standard of love over even justice and what they perceive justice to be, then then there's certainly hope. So let's just talk about your your book, Speed of Unity, because you were working on it before all this stuff happened and you actually ended up changing your introduction just to reflect, uh, you know, what uh, what took place and all the the changes. And now, uh, even in your introduction, you you say some really powerful things about um, unity and divisiveness and just share with our listeners some of your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, the just as it relates to that, my thing was that the people that have been uh, changed by the grace of God um, have to follow God's lead. I mean, while we were his enemies, he loved us. And he found a way to to forgive and, and offer a way back to reconciliation while we were his enemies. And I was like, the gospel of grace changes us, and it transforms our relationship to say, anybody that isn't like us, we still can forgive, we still can move forward to uh, with and so to me, that, that's been my basis of like, if I can be, find unity in, in God, I can find unity with my brothers and sisters around me. And so that was a big thing. And, and, and with this, um, I never thought it would be unity in such a volatile time. I was just looking for like organizational unity. Like, how do you move your church forward? How do you move your organization? Now I'm like, come on, guys, are we at the United States? Are we in this together and and is there a secret in the speed of unity that 
can help us move forward as a nation right now. Well, let's talk about that then. Tell us about this idea that there are three kinds of speed or three kinds of gears that you can get to, you know, first gear of agreement, then you move to a second gear of unity, but the third or second gear vision, and then get to the third gear of unity. Just uh, help us to understand that. Just let's just start with, with agreement. Yeah. Yeah. So it started with this. Somebody said like, how come your church has grown so fast and how come all these things are happening and you're giving away millions of dollars to missions and, and I just thought, well, you know, it's because we have vision. And and if from that, I was like, wait a minute. Is it really just that? Or I thought, I wonder if there's speeds that you can run at, like, or that you can move at. And so I started looking in the Bible, and I found in Amos chapter 3, it says, verse 3, it says, can two people, they can walk together if they agree. And all of a sudden it hit me like, walking is a speed. And, and, and I thought, wait a minute. It, there might be more speeds, and that's how it just jumped off the page at me. And I realized this, when you're arguing with somebody, you usually stop and you point fingers at them, and you're not making any forward momentum. And and I thought, when you agree, like it takes something simple, like even going to lunch. How many times have you been at work and you're all standing around, where are we going to lunch? Are we going to this? Are we going for Mexican? No, we had that yesterday. Okay, what about uh, pizza? No, I'm trying to have less carbs. Okay, and you stand in a huddle, and until you agree, the group doesn't even start walking. And there's a speed of agreement that allows you to walk. And how sad if you're part of a church or an organization or a business, and all you do is sit around and disagree. You're not going to make sales. You're not going to you know, forward the vision. You're not going to advance the cause because you can't even agree. And we've We've all sadly been a part of a group that we didn't even agree with. Like you were on a team and you were actually enemies. And so you couldn't even walk together. So that was the first speed, the speed of agreement. And I tell people, if you're not there, at least agree on where you want to go so that you can stop fighting and make some forward progress. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's true. I think, you know, I have a kind of a sports background and I, if I were to just think back about teams, that I was on, certainly the, the, the worst team would have been a team that wasn't really in full agreement. You know, like in football, we have the, the three phases. You have offense, defense, and special teams. And sometimes if the offense or defense or even special teams is excelling over the other two or, or the opposite one is really failing, you know, you can begin to have like a disagreement about the team. And obviously you're right. That's if you can't have that, then, you know, you can't even have anything. But obviously there's more to that. So take us to sort of set the, the next gear. Yeah, then, then I realized, you know, a lot of people have noticed over the years, Habakkuk 2.2 uh, two, two talks about write the vision down so the herald may run with it. So it's like, and it hit me that, that that's a speed of running. And I, a lot of people have talked about having vision. Like, you got to have vision. You got to, if you have a vision, people will do it. And I joke around that no matter what your vision is, once you declare it, people will come and do it. Like, if you even said, we're going to have the best accordion band ever, accordion players from all across the world will start finding you because you've cast a vision. And so a lot of people don't even cast a vision. They just live on, like, let's agree that we want to go this direction. But it doesn't go beyond disagreement. When it gets to vision, you move from walking to running. And a, a clear vision causes people to 
not have to second guess, like, is this what we want to do? Wait, wait, it's in the vision. They've told us this is where we're going. And so it increases the speed in an organization. You can move because you know this is the vision. In a church, you can go faster because you know this is the vision and you're moving forward. So it was running. And I, and I tell people that most people don't have a vision for their life. They don't have a vision for their marriage. They don't have a vision for their business, their church. They, and, and when somebody finally casts a vision, it ignites something in them and, and people join under vision because they're like, I, I just, I, I want to go somewhere and I like the freedom of moving at a higher speed. And that's what I love about vision. So I tell people, get a vision for your business, your church, your family, your life. You know, I even have an, a vision for my own personal life, you know, that I'm an adventure with the Lord. And I, part of my gifting is leadership development, especially in world missions and, and with leader. And so it's like, okay, I have a vision. I'm going forward. I know where my bullseye is. Yeah. It, you know, that's a huge subject in and of itself, but I don't want to, uh, to leave it quite yet because I do think that though the ultimate focus we want to get to is unity vision is is just crucially important and many times when we you know we think about vision we do just think about it organizationally you know the the church's vision the the company's vision but we don't the, the, we don't necessarily think about it on a personal level and i think that that's really great or even for your family to have a vision for your family you know what do we want to kind of be as a family what do we want to to do because there, there's vision is so great for focusing us because we all have so many options and so many choices and so many things we can do and i know as a leader and i know you know this too people say why don't we do this why don't we do that let's try this and in the end it's the vision that determines what we do it's the division that right that's that's what really helps us to do that so it's vitally important that folks that are listening, even if they say, well, I'm not a leader of an organization or a business or a church or a company or a team. And, and by the way, you very well may be. But even if you're not, you still have responsibility over your individual life and uh, family and other people that you influence to really have a vision and cast that vision. And that gets you to go from walking to running, which is great. All right. So let's get to uh, let's get to uh, moving from just running. What's the what's the what's the highest gear? And that was the thing. So I, I thought that was the highest. And then as I started reading the Bible, I realized right away in Genesis, when they're building the Tower of Babel, God says this. He says, they are like one. Nothing is impossible to them. And that caught my attention. Like it was for the wrong motive, but they were building something and they were so unified. God even says nothing is impossible. So then that got me looking through like, oh, wait a minute, is unity the speed of nothing is impossible? And then I saw Psalm 133, it talks about behold how pleasant and good it is when brothers dwell together in unity. And then God talks about an anointing falling down, like a, a supernatural thing hitting people because they're unified. And I just realized over and over again, unity, unity, unity. And Jesus says, God, I want them to be one like we are one because then the world will know. And it's like, Unity. Unity is the speed. And I just realized that's the speed that can say, let there be light and there's light. That's the speed that creation exists at, that God exists at. And it just got me so excited because you, you, you mentioned sports. I've watched where the teams genuinely love each other and they don't care who scores the bucket and they're so happy and they're playing with a 
a joy because they truly love their teammates. And whenever I watch my local teams, I'm a Minnesota sports fan. I'm, you know, that's, and, and thankfully, thankfully I can cheer for New England teams because my mom was from New Bedford. And so that's, that's helped me keep my sanity because at least they were winning some championships. But, um, but so when I look at the teams and they say like, yeah, we don't hang out with each other. I'm like, oh no, they're not going to work at the speed of unity. And then when I hear like, oh yeah, the offensive line goes out for, you know, pizza every Thursday and they love each other. The quarterback is all there. I'm like, okay, unity, unity. I want to see that they love their coach. They love each other because when they do, they can move at that speed. I want to see that an organization, and I, and I put this as like the subtitle, you'll know it when you feel it. When you walk into a room and everybody feels good that you walked in, you have unity. But when you walk into a room and half the room is happy, half the room's sad, half the room looks at their phone, oh no, you don't have that speed that says nothing is impossible. Well, that that's that's great. I mean, that's fantastic. So obviously the question, Rob, is how do we do it? How do we get that kind of unity in our let's we'll get to the country last because that's the hardest, biggest, but how do you get it in your church organization, company, team? How do you do it? Yeah, and there's so many there's there's things you gotta do to add and there's things you gotta do to subtract. I mean, I think some of it is like the uncomfortable part is you've got to confront the the people that are out of unity. You know, you okay, think about this. Like it's way easier this way, but it, it's okay. If a band member, if you're in a band and the bass guitar is out of tune, you might stop the band practice and say, dude, dude, retune, retune. Okay. And he wouldn't be like, are you kidding me? Are you, you're insinuating that I'm out of tune? You know, he would realize, oh, I'm out of tune. And he'd retune. And then, you, so there was a confrontation that caused the retuning. And the person that was confronted actually went along with this. Okay. Way easier in a band and it's nobody's fault that his bass guitar is out of tune. But when a leader sees a member of the team out of tune, they've got to say, hey, you're out of tune. And then that's where sometimes that personal bowing up comes in. Of, what do you mean I'm out of tune? And the leader has to have the ability to confront people that are out of tune and get them in tune. Sometimes you have to uh, even let go of high performers that are not unified. You're, like you see a team trade away an all-star and then they win. And you're like, how did they do that? They, the unity was more important than the all-star. And when teams played it, when teams play together with unity, they, they it's that unstoppable gear. Um, and so you've got to sometimes subtract people out. Sometimes you have to add people in. You have to have a culture that says we can retune and give feedback and not be offended. Those are all things. And if I could say this, it really rests on the leader because the leader has to realize, like, it's my responsibility to make sure that this thing runs together in unity. And I've got to lead on those skill sets to confront, add, subtract, and be able to do that. Yeah, that's uh, that's a great example, really, because it, it just proves the point you were saying where, the, you know, the they're building the tower of Babel. Now nothing will be impossible. This idea of what a unity can create, because how can a team end up giving away a star player and then end up doing better than before? The only possible answer for that would be what you're saying, that it's about unity. So, uh, 
removing, uh, having feedback, adding? What, what else? What else can we do to build this speed of unity? Well, I mean, when I, when I think about the speed of unity for people, um, it also is that the person in charge has to be willing to have the go first, if that makes sense. Um, if I could jump like even to the country, when you're in power, a political party is in power and they demand unity and they really mean conformity, that's not going to bring unity. When a person in power does something magnanimous and does the first step, an act of generosity, that enables unity. And I'll use God for an example. God did something more than magnanimous. He made the first step towards us while we were powerless, could do nothing to make it right, and he made the first step. So when somebody's in power, continually makes the first step towards it and and is charitable and generous and isn't demanding because uniform unity does not mean like uniformity you know um i know when i asked john maxwell to write the the forward for it he, he immediately was like wait a minute are you saying that everybody has to think the same and, do, and i said wait 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 and, and he critiqued me up and down because his big thing was okay, I can see that you have to be generous. I can see that you have to hear everybody's view, but somebody has to make the final call. And I said, that's right. A leader values the input of everybody and then makes the decision, okay? And he's like, okay, I can write you forward. You know? but, so I think, I think the leader has to value everyone, be the leader, make the tough decisions, but they always have to be charitable, kind, and, and you don't take your leadership as, a way to demand you you take your leadership as a way to keep the unity moving forward if that makes sense well it makes it makes perfect sense and 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 maybe you're really onto something here because if what we're seeing in our country is such enormous divisiveness and if it begins from the leadership level and it works its way down to the people where are the examples of generosity and kindness? Where are the examples of people who have the power and instead of using their power for their purposes, they don't do that? And, you know, maybe that's maybe that's where, where we're at. I guess my question to you is, if they don't do that, what else can be done? Yeah, I, I really think that... Um People have to just rally behind leaders that will do that. The, the issue is, I, I just watch us, we're dividing, and everything that's being done is trying to divide us. It's this intersectionality that, you know, uh, you are this, 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 and you're a subgroup of a subgroup of a subgroup, and that's your group you identify with, and you are not like everybody else. Hey, at the end of this, we all bleed red. At the end of this, we all have families. We all have children. We all want a better future. And we've got to focus on our commonalities rather than our differences. Yet, everything in society is forcing us to look at differences and make our in-group super in and our out-group super out. And they're not just different, they're enemies. So I think we've got to reject any speech or leadership that says you're the enemy, you're bad, you're wrong. And uh, Just the other day, you know, I mean trust me, every president in the last three or four of them have done this, but President Biden is our president now, and he said, these guys are Neanderthals. You can't say that. you got to watch your words. You've got to say this. A better way would have said, this does concern me, and we're going to be watching it closely. Nobody wants this to be over more than I do. 
And if this is a good move, we're going to embrace it. If it's not, we're going to correct it. That would have been leadership. But when you make somebody a, a name, you know, that's not you – know, President Trump did it. President Obama did it. He was his enemies. It was this. We can't have that. We've got to have – we've got to watch our words. The weight of our words are so strong as leaders, and we've got to rally behind. And then I guess we've got to learn to speak up and say, no, I'm not doing that. You're wrong. I'm not. I'm not going to do that. I'm not following that type of leadership with those type of words. Yeah, of course. I'm. You know, I'm big on the words. You know, you and I, speakers and writers, we really, we really care about words. We want to use the right words. But it really is sad when you think about uh, all the th things that have been said, and it's been going on for a while now. Just language that, frankly, I, I don't think a lot of business or church leaders would ever use because they know better, and yet, and then in the national discussion, in the highest levels of leadership within our country, the words are being thrown around and used like that. And, and again, certainly that Neanderthal, it's a great example. Go back to Trump, and you could certainly pick out some, some words, yeah, that were just offensive. You go back to the word deplorable with Clinton, and, 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 and on you go. You know, you just, it doesn't serve any positive purpose and it's amazing, really, that leaders at this level would would know better, you know, and their speech writers would never put those kinds of words in. You know, they're smart enough to know that. But the leaders, the leaders certainly certainly need to. So uh, what else can you tell us just in terms of why it would be a good idea to pick up Speed of Unity as a book? What, what else is in there uh, that, you know, you unpack that can't be done in just a, in, in just one podcast episode? Well, yeah, and, you know, everybody writes a book or does a teaching and they hope it's good and you, you ask people to get behind it. But unsolicited people that have read it are starting to call me saying, no, seriously, this is so helpful. This has changed my company. One guy said I bought it for everyone. Another guy, not a Christian guy, he's, he's Hindu, and he's like, oh, I got this for my whole leadership team because it gives you a common language and a common understanding, and it, it allows you to understand how to fix the culture you're in. And you can assess, are we in agreement? Are we in vision? Are we in unity? And there's way more that I talk about, like, how do you know if you have the speed of unity, you speak the same language. When I see you, I get a lift. Um, I don't second guess you. So I give keys and tips and then how to protect it, like how to speak up, not out. Like, you know, um, a lot of people want to speak out and they want to just, uh, let's just say they want to blog about it, they want to yell about it, they want to put it on social media, they want to speak out, but they don't speak up to authority that can help it. I talk about how do you support, how do you agree, how do you disagree. So I give real practical handles in it on how to do it. And then um, also the, the hope and the vision of getting to unstoppable and getting to that level of speed of unity. So I, I'm excited about it. I, 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 I love getting the feedback from people. And, and the common language, just one guy said his company did a five-hour work away, and all they talked about was this. And they said we, the, the thought of a new speed for them accelerated their thinking like, okay, we're moving past vision to unity. And the, the illustrations of sports, all of a sudden it clicked, and they're like, that can happen in our company. We can get to unstoppable. So my hope would be for everybody to – go to the speed of unity and get to unstoppable speed. 
Yeah, that's great. And I, of course, the speed thing is great and throwing acceleration in there. That's a good way to use words in a positive way. So where do we get the book, Rob? Where can yeah, they can go to uh, they can go to uh, speed of unity. Uh, they can go to speed of They can go to uh, the resources at rivervalley.org. Uh, so resources.rivervalley.org. Um, it's on Amazon. It's all over. Um, we're going into the next printing for it. So they can get it all over with it. And if people want to know more about you, about your other books you've written, about your speaking, about your leadership, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, um, robketterling.com. And, of course, my handles are robketterling all over. And our, our, my weekly preaching is at uh, rivervalley.org for the church. And those are some different ways. And, of course, all the books are on Amazon. And, uh, it, yeah, this is my fifth one. So great. excited about it. Great, great. Well, Rob, listen, it's been great to have you today to give us a picture of unity, a speed higher than just vision. And man, in these divisive times, we need so much to focus more on unity. So thank you for being our guest today. And uh, God continue to bless you in your ministry. Appreciate it very much. Thanks for having me on. So it was great to have Rob on the with us today on Point of Impact. And again, for those of you who are like, hey, we need some guests besides just Rick, there you go. And my goal is to have uh, a great guest just like Rob join us in, uh, in, in the weeks to come. I hope that this has uh, been helpful to you today. I think we've got some great, some great folks to, to talk about some different topics uh, coming up here in, uh, in future episodes. But thanks again for joining us on Point of Impact. Give us those reviews and... Uh, Give us the five-star ranking and all that stuff so we can reach more and more people, and uh, we, we appreciate it for sure. Thanks so much for joining us today. See you next week. You've been listening to the Point of Impact podcast with Rick McDaniel. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.